This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, dear listeners. This is Ginny, and I'm here with our friend Zach Clark. Hello. You've heard him before on a few of our episodes, and today he's here to talk about a project he's working on called Great Hope, which you can become a part of and become involved in, which he's going to explain right now. So Great Hope is a show that I am working on that will be at the UMass Amherst Union Gallery in February of 2018. Um, It's going to be a collection of work that I'm making about where myself and others um, find hope and victories they are currently celebrating. But the show um, is also going to exist as a open call print exchange and is open to anyone who makes an edition of 12 works. So if you're a printmaker, um, I'd love to hear from you to be part of the show. All the work will then be distributed out to everyone as a uh, print exchange. If you are not a printmaker and just want to share your stories about where you are currently finding hope, um, I would love to hear them. Um, For both participating in the print exchange and just letting me hear your stories, you can go to nationalmonumentpress.com. Some more information will be there. Um, You can find me on Instagram, at Zach Clark is. Or you can text 510-969-9443. Thanks, and I hope to uh, have you as part of the show. Right on. Great hope. Check it out. From Art History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And, and we, we are, are the Art History Babes. I guess we don't usually say it at the same time. I liked that. I mean, when there's only two of us, especially, it's, it's yeah. easily achieved. Exactly. Four is a little trick here. It is. It's true. But here we are with another BB episode. This one is on the Terracotta Warriors also known as the Terracotta Army. goes by terracotta many names. soldiers. The <laughs> Terracotta men. The Terracottas. <laughs> Those last two were uh, our originals, we, so yes. don't put Trademark. us on that. Thank you. <laughs> in 1974, a group of peasant farmers in northern China stumbled upon some fragments of pottery while they were digging wells. They discovered various body parts made of terracotta, and when a team of archaeologists were called in, they uncovered an entire army of lifelike terracotta soldiers. This mysterious army has perplexed archaeologists and historians since their discovery. It is now known that the thousands of lifelike statues date back over 2,000 years and were built to guard the tomb of the first emperor of China. 
So now more about the emperor himself. Ying Zheng was just 13 years old when he became emperor in 246 BCE. Over two decades later, he had successfully united warring kingdoms and took the name Qin Shi Huangdi, the first emperor of the Qin dynasty. His name translates to first August and divine emperor of Qin. And the title emperor set him apart from his predecessors who were mere dukes and kings. So now he is the first emperor. He had a very prolific role, and he accomplished quite a bit, including standardizing coinage and measurement, as well as writing, which all worked to further establish his power and control. He ordered the construction of vast roads and connecting bridges, and is credited with building the first version of the Great Wall of China. He was a very strict ruler, and obedience was highly rewarded, and disobedience was met with harsh punishments. The first emperor created a central bureaucracy, which remained for centuries to follow. So the first emperor apparently wanted to live forever and tried various <laughs> herbs and potions to prolong his life. But obviously, that doesn't work as far as we know. So there were, in addition to his own impending mortality, there were at least three assassination attempts on the emperor. However, so thoughts of death were made kind of that much more inevitable. Didn't one of his younger yeah. sons killed his older brother? Yes, there was some fratricide going on yeah. for sure. Pretty cutthroat. So at this time in history, the Chinese believed in the afterlife, much in the same way as ancient Egyptians did, if you know that much about the ancient Egyptian belief that the afterlife is just a continuation of your current mortal life. So same sort of idea. And also fairly common for rulers across various cultures, uh, the first emperor ordered the construction of his tomb to be built shortly after he became emperor. So it began when he was still very much alive. So he decided to immortalize his entire empire underground so that he could in effect rule forever. I love when they do that. They're like, I can't trust anyone after I'm gone to do this. No yes. one will waste this amount of money on my tomb unless I do it right now. Build it now. We're going to make sure this is a sure thing. Yes. The sculptures range from about six to six and a half feet. So they're life-sized, but big. Yeah, definitely. Especially <laughs> like, for back then. I was going to say, I don't know giants. that that was the average size <laughs> of a man in China during the Qin Dynasty. I, I don't know that it wasn't, but if I had to guess, probably not. I would say no. <laughs> Details in their faces and the expressions on their faces vary from soldier to soldier. There's 8,000. I think that's the rough estimate. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a lot of different appearances. Definitely. And they also wear various armor, and this has been shown to denote their military rank. So right. historians and professionals can tell who, who is, is who. Exactly, right. based on what they're wearing. The bronze weapons carried by the soldiers are real. That's fascinating. They were also painted in really bright colors, some of which were preserved in the soil, so it kind of, you can't call it mummified if it's terracotta, but preserved mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, Pompeii places were preserved. The terracotta warriors, horses, and chariots were made with gray clay found at the nearby Mount Lee. Lens, heads, and ears were constructed separately and then joined by wet clay strips before being fired at high temperatures. The unique facial features, such as facial hair and hairstyles, were later added with wet clay after firing. Originally, when noblemen and royalties passed away, their servants would be buried alongside them in their tombs. Again, I think that was a practice in Egypt. But. For sure. So essentially, human sacrifice. 
not great popular for long <laughs> periods of time because I think people realize pretty quickly that that could be them. <laughs> no one wants those jobs anymore. <laughs> so when people began criticizing these practices, alternative practices were considered and they landed on these terracotta soldiers to stand in for substitutes for actual human beings. Mm-hmm. Much more humane practice. Definitely. So a little bit more background on the tomb complex itself. So work on the tomb lasted for over 30 years and required the labor of about 700,000 laborers. The tomb included depictions in terracotta, like of the warriors, but there were also different objects and buildings and other figures represented, as well as works of wood and bronze. There were even booby traps put in to the tomb to guard it, such as automatic crossbows and rivers of mercury. Oh my goodness, that is so Indiana Jones. I know, I love that part. (laughs) Rivers of Mercury, though, that's pretty intense. I know. I wonder, I don't know how long that that would last for you. Right? Wouldn't it just soak into the ground? I don't know. Hmm. We'll have to look into that. If you know, write in. (laughs) Please. I'm very curious. (laughs) The site of the tomb was selected for its natural defenses, such as mountain ranges, including Mount Lin and the Chinling Mountains. There was additionally the Wei River, and the access point from the Great Central Plains was guarded by the 8,000-some-odd terracotta soldiers, as well as their horses and chariots. The tomb itself has not been excavated, which is really interesting. The terracotta warriors have become a valuable source of insight and study into early Chinese sculpture. Some of the soldiers have been reassembled, while others have not to kind of demonstrate how they were found after being underground for 2,000 years. So the way that they're displayed is pretty interesting in that way. And so much still remains unexcavated, but the largest, most significant terracotta sculpture exhibition from China would soon take place because of this discovery. So select terracotta warriors, as well as select objects from the excavation, have circulated in various exhibitions around the world. There's a lot, so I'm not going to list all of them, but some of the big ones. In 2008, the British Museum displayed 120 objects from the tomb and 12 terracotta warriors. The exhibit has been one of the most successful to date. The Warriors traveled to Barcelona and Madrid, also becoming the most successful exhibitions at those museums. Other destinations include South America, throughout North America, including the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco, and India, to name a few. So the Terracotta Warriors have pulled in staggering numbers of the public at every museum they exhibit at, like Oftentimes it's record-breaking. What remains in China is still largely the unexcavated tomb, serving as, you know, the first emperor's empire for all eternity, even though he is now missing some warriors, horses, chariots, and other objects. It's like to imagine him in the afterlife. Like, guys, come on. I know. <laughs> Give me back my army. It's mine. Did you ever see the terracotta warriors? I did not. Did you see it? No, yeah. I didn't either. No, regrets. I, I really though. I really wish I had. Yeah. I will say for even my least art knowledgeable mm-hmm. loved ones, yeah, they know the terracotta oh, soldiers. Yeah. When I was doing research for this, every family member was like, totally. "Oh yeah, so cool, big deal." And that I can't even imagine making that discovery. That must have been I know, right? Well, I mean, maybe like kind of terrifying because at first you yeah. see a face, oh, or, like a hand, ah. and, like. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be those guys. No. Thanks. So those are the Terracotta Warriors. That they are. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, see you next time. Tune in. Bye. Friday.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.